So that is the Jesus that I want to follow. A Jesus who raises people from the dead. A God who has power over sin and death. Who calls us out of our darkness. Who calls us out of our imprisonment. Who calls us out of the things that that bind us. Untie him. That's what hopefully is happening as we are going through the preaching series. We are identifying things that maybe bind us even though we didn't even know it. And please, God, the invitation is as we hear it, we are going to Jesus and say, unbind me, untie me. And maybe we're hearing Jesus say, let him go. Not to us, but to the enemy who thinks he has power over us, who thinks he has authority over us, which he doesn't. So we're uncovering these deadly sins, these patterns of behavior, these behaviors in our life that bring death, that bring stagnation, so that we could go to Jesus and say, I want more. Preaching series is called Living Yes. Let yes to Jesus requires no. It requires no to, to saying no to these, these deadly things. We've gone through sloth. We've gone through lust. We've gone through envy. And now today we're going to talk about anger. How does anger bind us? How does it enslave us? We'll also talk about mercy and what that looks like. Just a reminder, a virtue is, it's a pattern of behavior. When we talk about wanting to become Christians, wanting to become disciples of Jesus, well, disciples look like something. They have consistent behaviors. They have consistent attitudes. They engage their mind and their heart and their will in intentionally following Jesus in certain patterns of behavior, in certain attitudes, in the ways that they talk. It deals with their passions, their actions, their will, their conduct. They control themselves. They know what's morally good. They're free to choose what is morally good so that their yes to Jesus can be preserved in their way of life. We're all growing. The part of this series is to, to expose Maybe some, uh, some not so good behaviors that don't look Christian. And to maybe point us to other behaviors that are very Christian so we can say yes to them. So let's look um, at how we're going to go about this. We're going to expose the lie, right? Expose the wound, expose the pain. We're going to see how it, it deals with our experience. And then we're going to hopefully maybe try to equip you with some tools to, to maybe leave here with uh, a plan of action, right? What is anger? Anger in itself is just a feeling of resistance against an offense or an injustice. It's important that we hear this. It's just a feeling. There's no moral culpability. There's no moral judgment on feeling anger. It's ultimately how we choose to react and respond to anger. That we can go right, sinful, are left actually virtuous in a good response. But anger in itself is just a feeling. It can be good or evil, depending upon how we respond. There's two ways we're going to talk about how we can respond to anger. We can turn in on ourselves. option one. 
I'm proposing this is not the best option. This is not the good option. We can turn in on ourselves. In doing so, we will probably eventually choose aggression in some form. I've chose to use aggression because um, I don't want us to, to get anger confused with sin. It's our response to anger that's the sin. Aggression is more of the sin. When we, um, when we overreact and we want to respond by punishing in an aggressive manner, maybe excessively, those who have hurt us. Aggression flows out of pride and impatience. Aggression desires to injure the offender and do harm for the sake of vengeance. If you think about maybe when you have responded out of anger, often it was probably a reaction. It was often, I probably didn't stop. I didn't think about how I might respond. And I regretted it. I regretted what I said. I regretted what I did. I was hurt and I was just reacting. But often I reacted by wanting to hurt the other person as they hurt me. And sometimes I even go above and beyond. I want vengeance. I want even more than they took from me. That's when it becomes sinful. That's when it becomes deadly. That's when it binds us up. Second way I can respond to anger is I can turn toward God. I can ask God, how do you want me to respond to this anger? This is important. To practice the pause. When I feel anger, I want to pause and create a space where I allow God's perspective and God's response to enter into my decision on how I'm going to respond. When I turn inward, I, I create no space. I'm just gonna react by emotions, I'm gonna react with my passions, and I'm probably gonna do something that is not what God would do. And I'm gonna hurt people, I'm gonna hurt myself. But if I can create a pause, practice the pause, and ask myself, how is God wanting to respond in this situation? I want to choose the good, and I choose not to overreact or punish the offender unfairly. Two ways to respond. How do you know you might struggle with aggression, right? We're using the word aggression as maybe the negative response to anger. How do you know you might struggle with this? If you say yes to the following, any of the following, you say things when you drink that you regret the next day. You have had to apologize to someone or your conscience told you you should apologize to someone because of your words, your actions, or your inactions. You can't remember the last time someone commented how happy you are. The anger inside you just kind of carry in your face, in your demeanor, in your words. You replay events in your head to assure yourself that you're right. Your default response to any deferring opinion is you are judging me, right? We're deferring, we're deflecting. You feel offended versus people who are not tolerant or accepting of your opinion or your lifestyle. You text message or use social media to vent your views or negative opinions, very passive aggressive. You often feel victimized. It's never, ever, ever your fault. You interrupt others or feel needed to be right. 
you can think of more than two or three people you need to forgive and you struggle with gluttony, lust, or self-indulgence, which are typically masking, medicating things we do to hide and cover up pain. And we'll talk about pain in a little bit, how pain is a, is a, is a cover-up to, to anger. What does anger look like in our own experience? We may not call it anger, but anger may come out and we may label anger with these words, right? Unforgiveness, resentment, avoidance, passive aggressive behavior. If you don't know what that is, come talk to me. I'll fill you in on all that stuff. Um, Spouting. Excessive expectations. Um, excessive expectations. I, if I'm angry at someone, I'm just going to keep raising the expectations of what they owe me so that they can never fulfill them, so that I never have to be at peace with them, so that I'm never, um, our, our division is never mended, right? I don't want to be back together with this person in a healthy relationship, right? Aggression, this is the key. The enemy always wants to divide us. He always wants to destroy us. Satan is always trying to bind us up. He's always trying to divide us, to separate us. He's a thief. He's a robber. He wants to destroy us. So, by, by logic, aggression is always leads to division. It can be felt towards a person, people, institutions, ideologies. It can be a real action done to us or a perceived action done to us. She said this. Hmm. Well, she really didn't mean it. And when I actually finally talked to her about it, like that's not what she meant. But my perception of what she meant hurt me and I'm angry, right? It can be real or it can be perceived. It can be towards somebody living or, so, or towards somebody who is dead. I can be angry and resentful about someone who, is, who has died a long time ago. It's typically rooted in pride, right? I deserve this. I deserve them coming to me and, and reconciling. I deserve them to come to me and make what's right what they made wrong. I deserve them to make it wrong and I'm gonna be angry and frustrated until they come to me. Just to maybe, um, again, this is, this is maybe more of a clinical and I know it's, it's a lot of content, right? A clinical perspective perspective so that you can maybe feel a little more um, able to see what's happening in your heart. I would never want to tell you to stop being angry and start being merciful. It's just not that easy. But if we can begin to see what's happening in our heart, we can begin to at least have something to bring to God. Because anger is usually just the surface. You know, when you see an iceberg, right, you only see something coming out of the water. Underneath, there's like 90% of that big old block of ice. When we see anger, when anger pokes its head out, there's a lot going on under the surface. Often, what's under the surface is feeling powerless. It's experiences of fear, of feeling trapped. When I feel trapped, I'm going to get angry. Maybe feeling shame. Maybe someone revealed something about us to someone else. Maybe someone uh, found out something about us. Or maybe just when we go to God, we're full of shame. And, um, or we feel inadequate. 
When we feel all of these things, often we feel out of control. And anger often gives us a sense of control. When I'm angry at someone, when, I, when, I, when I'm, I'm holding something against someone, I know this is not logical, but it gives me a sense of control. It gives me a sense of control. I don't have control, but it helps me feel a little better as I'm masking the pain, right? Anger protects me from pain. Just as fire is the source of smoke, so likewise pain is the source of anger. If I've been hurt, no one likes to be hurt. And so um, being hurt in whatever way it is, something was said, something was done, something was insinuated, I'm going to protect the pain in my heart often by getting angry at a person. And angry, being angry and holding sometimes a protective distance protects me from getting hurt over and over and over again. That's just a little clinical understanding of how we can see what's happening inside of us. So we don't judge ourselves, but we kind of move towards healing, right? So how do we want to begin to respond in a healthy way to anger? Not by aggression, but we want to practice a pause when we get angry and ask the Lord, Jesus, how do you see this situation? We want to begin to discern how are you asking me to act in this situation. I want to create a space where I don't respond or react out of aggression. Lord, how are you calling me to? And the Lord will probably invite us to respond in three ways. Mercy, forgiveness, or zeal. We're going to talk about those three ways. Mercy, forgiveness, and zeal. This is the way that Jesus responded in the Gospels. And if we're following Jesus, we want to respond the way Jesus responded. First, mercy. Jesus tells us this. Love your enemies and do good to them. Lend expecting nothing back. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. They call it mercy when you don't deserve it. And Jesus extended himself out and said, if we're going to be Christians, we have to begin to love even our enemies and even want their good. From the cross, right? Jesus was beaten. He was scourged. He was ridiculed. He was... He is being killed by people who are persecuting and mocking him. And how does he respond? Not with aggression. Peter, put your sword back. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Have mercy on them. He chooses to will the good of even his enemy. That's mercy. And sometimes God will ask us to respond when we are angry to be merciful to those who are stirring that anger in us. That's one response. Another response is forgiveness. Forgiveness is to release another person of the debt I think they owe me. When someone hurts us, somehow we measure what they owe us based on what they have done to us. In our mind, we have a certain measure. This is what you owe me for what you did to me. You hurt me in a certain way, so to make up for your hurt, you owe this to me. And until this is paid, there will be forever a division between us. 
Forgiveness is basically saying, I no longer hold you bound to pay back that debt. I'm releasing you. I'm no longer holding on to unforgiveness. I'm no longer holding you bound. Forgiving is not the same thing as forgetting. A lot of people struggle with forgetting because I I just can't forget. Jesus didn't say, come follow me and you'll forget everything. He says, come follow me and I will teach you how to forgive. But hurt is part of our history. What's done to us is part of our history. But when we can forgive, when we look back, the hurt no longer has as much power. It no longer has as much sting in us because we have invited Jesus into that memory. And now the Lord has brought an ability for us to be content and peace because we are with him. Therefore, that experience is different. Some of you might not be able to forgive other people. You don't have the strength to do it. So I would suggest telling the Lord, Lord, I can't, you can, and you promised. You said you would teach me. I've given my life to you. I really want to learn how to follow you. Teach me how to forgive. I need you in me to forgive this person. Come and help me. Mercy, forgiveness, And finally, God might actually want us to do something, to be proactive, to right the wrong in a just way. Zeal is a reasonable resistance to evil, injustice, or sin. It desires to correct an offense for the sake of preserving justice. It flows from a desire to do good. So if I see an injustice, maybe God wants me to have mercy and, 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 or forgive. Or maybe God wants me to actually take some action to right the wrong right in front of me. I know a lot of you have bought like um, new TVs in, in the present day reality because you threw things at the TV when you're watching Fox News or CNN. You're so frustrated. Politics just gets you and you're angry and you're just getting mad and You don't practice the pause, but you yell and you get frustrated and you get angry and you're just a miserable person to live with, right? Well, that's what what our civic duty as Christians is to influence civil authorities, influence politicians, to, to encourage them and share the gospel with them and maybe to get them to change public policy so that the good is protected. Example of this would be abortion, right? We're not called to just sit back as Christians and be like, oh man, this is horrible, this is miserable. We're just, no. To speak out, to try to take action in a just, measured way that influences, that rights a wrong, that corrects an offense of an injustice. I'm walking down the street, and I know this is a rough example. Um, if I see, you know, just a, someone beating up and injuring another person right in front of me, if I practice the pause, the Lord will probably not tell me, well, just pray for them. You know, just, just forgive them. No, the Lord's probably going to tell me to stop the injustice happening right in front of me, to try to right the wrong, right? The um, The church does not, and I I know I'm getting very sensitive area, but the church does not um, tell people that if they're in a marriage that is violent and abusive, the church doesn't tell people you have to stay. Just don't get angry. Just pray for them. The church doesn't say that. 
The church says we, we do not have to stay in an abusive, aggressive environment. Like we have dignity, we have worth, right? A zealous response to anger is sometimes to right the wrong. But we have to pray, we have to discern. We have to turn and practice this pause and say, Lord, I'm angry. How do you want me to respond? That's much different than just reacting with aggression and wanting, wanting vengeance. I know this is a lot. We have to keep praying for each other as we kind of work through this stuff. Um, as I said last week, as we go through the seven deadly sins, maybe um, one or two of these sins are kind of exposing and kind of speaking right directly to you more than others. Don't get overwhelmed. Please, um, I'm inviting you to not get overwhelmed, but maybe just to pick one. Just to pick one and focus a little bit on it. Take it to prayer, right? You and I are human. Um, we, we cannot unbind ourselves. When Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, he didn't say, Lazarus, get it together. Take all those things off and let's go. He said, go and untie him, right? We go to the Lord and say, look, I think I might be struggling with anger or my response to anger. Jesus, come and help me. Jesus, come and free me. Jesus, come and teach me. That's a posture of humility. Holy Spirit, come into the depths of our heart. Come and help us hear your voice of love that longs to bring us to life. Come and speak to the fear and the, the resentment and the bitterness and the feeling stuck in our life. Come and speak love and truth and give us the courage to bring our anger to you and teach us how to respond. Amen.